Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. All right, welcome. Welcome to this year's Persia's Got Beauty Beauty Pageant. And thank you, City of Susa, for bringing your most beautiful women to be entered in the Persia's Got Beauty Beauty Pageant. Yes, I am here as an official of King Xerxes to pick your most beautiful women to be entered in this nationwide Persians Got Beauty Beauty Pageant. I'm here to take the most beautiful women of Susa to enter them in this contest for a chance to become the new queen of Persia. Now, remember, I sent out that decree, and the only two requirements are, number one, they've got to be a babe. They have to be beautiful. And number two, the women that you put forward have to have never been married. So, hey, you know what? They could be young as 12 or 13 or 14, or they could be older, like 30 or 20. You know, we don't care. They just have to be beautiful. They have to have never been married, and you can enter them in the Persia's Got Beauty, Beauty pageant. And I am excited. City of Susa, I am excited to see who you have picked to enter in this competition. Can I hear a chant of Persia? Persia. Excitement is just percolating through the crowd. All right, let's see. Let's see who these beautiful women are. I can see you have a long line of potential contestants. Let's turn and look at them. All right, the first one, ugly. Ugh. Second one, ugly. Third one, uglier. Fourth one, Seriously, she's got a unibrow. This is ugly, Sousa. Come on, I hope it picks up from here. Ugly, ugly, ugly. I mean, wow, you're tall. But you're also ugly, ugly. Come on, this is someone's grandmother, people. She is older than old. Come on, ugly, ugly. Ooh. Now this one stands a chance. She looks beautiful. She is absolutely beautiful, and let's applaud for her. Yes, you know what? I think she might have a chance to enter into this competition. Yes, and the crowd goes cheering. Yes, all right, one out of what, ten? Come on here, Sousa. Let's pick this up. You know, here is this official going through this line of women that the city has put forward to say, hey, 
These are our most beautiful women, and they are. They've never been married, and we want them entered in this chance to become the next queen of Persia. And here's a whole line of women just vying for this chance, you know? Down the end of the line, I think, near the middle somewhere, there's somebody else. There's another girl in that line, but she's scared. She's nervous about this whole thing. You know what her name is? Her name is Esther. Now, she's probably scared about the future. She, she didn't even want to be in this pageant, especially to become the next queen of Persia. I mean, she's a Jew. I mean, she's not even a Persian by nationality. She's a Jew, and she's loyal to the God Yahweh, who the Jewish people serve and worship. And she's being raised by her guardian, and his name is Mordecai. Her parents had died when she was a little girl, and what happened is that her uncle's son, Mordecai, he raised her. And she loves Mordecai, and, and, and she loves being a Jew, and she loves being here in Susa with Mordecai, and she, she doesn't want to enter this pageant. See, Esther's real name is Hadassah, and that's her Jewish name. But being a Jew in another culture, culture called Persia, right? She has to have a Persian name to fit in. So they gave her the name of Esther, which means star. Well, I think Esther's about to become the next star in the Persian pantheon of queens. Because the one thing Esther's known for is she is known for her beauty. But I think she's also would love to be known as, as a good Jew, you know. She probably read the Torah and then she's prayed the Psalms and, and she prayed to Yahweh to answer her prayers probably every day. She prayed. And maybe when Mordecai came to her and said, hey, do you want to be in this pageant? She prayed and sought the Lord. No, I don't want to be in this pageant, but... This was a royal decree. This was a royal requirement. And, and all the most beautiful women of the town and, and any woman who had never been married, they had to be part of this pageant. But Esther, Hadassah, she didn't want to be pulled away from family. She didn't want this. Maybe she'd been praying for weeks. Lord, Yahweh, please, I don't want to enter this pageant. Please, is there anything else? And here she is standing in line for this stupid pageant. God was silent. You know, have you ever wondered where God is sometimes in your life? I can imagine there are many times in my life, I mean, I can think of somewhere I have prayed to God and asked him for specific things, and he's never answered. You know, I shouldn't say never, but in those specific times, he hasn't answered. You know, I'm a follower of Jesus, but Jesus didn't answer my prayer. 
And you start to get discouraged and you start to wonder, where is God? You know, there's something interesting about the book of Esther. God is never mentioned in the book of Esther, not even once. The other interesting thing about the book of Esther is there's no mention of the law or the Torah or the temple or Moses. God just seems silent in this whole book. He's never mentioned. None of the things that are important to God are mentioned. None of the great heroes of the faith are mentioned. His word is never mentioned. God is completely silent in this book. But you know what? God may not be mentioned in the book, but he is all over this book. He is behind the scenes working to take care of his people. And, and through this whole story, he is actively working behind the scenes to keep his promises to the Jewish people. You know, Isaiah 64 verse 4 says, No eye has seen nor ear has heard any God like ours who works on behalf of those who wait for him. And as we go through the book of Esther, I want you to really stop and think. And as you read the various chapters, stop. And I want you, as we go through the series, to keep track of the ways that you see God showing up in the story, even though he's never mentioned. How do you see God showing up? How do you see God working behind the scenes, moving in a situation that seems impossible, or, or where something looks like just random coincidence there's God there. He's working. He's not silent. And when God seems silent, I want you to know that he's not. God is always actively working for your good, for you, for me. If you are a child of his, he is actively working on your behalf. Well, this person official, he's getting closer and closer to Esther. And you know, he's like, ugly, ugly. Oh, come on, people. Ugly, ugly. And then he comes to Esther. And uh, oh, his breath is taken away. His breath is taken away. Because Esther, in the book of Esther, she is talked about as a woman being of immense physical beauty. Esther is known as a woman who, as it says there, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Esther 2, verse 7. The writer of Esther repeats it twice. The lovely figure, and then he repeats again, and she was beautiful because he wants to get across the fact that Esther is beautiful. And this Persian official sees that, and he's like, wow. What's your name, ma'am? I can imagine. Esther responds with, Esther, that's my name. And the Persian official says, her name is Esther. Give her a round of applause. Yeah. You know what Esther means, people, right? Esther means star. And I just think we found the star that might go all the way to the top of the throne. Yes, Sousa. You have got a star in the making here. And I can imagine Esther and the rest of the beautiful women of Susa are then 
put in a cart or some other transportation and hauled off to possibly become the next queen of Persia. So how did we get here? How do we get to the point where Esther is participating in a beauty pageant? How did we get here? Well, we got here, it's interesting, through a guy named King Xerxes. X-E-R-X-E-S. King Xerxes. Now, King Xerxes is the king of Persia. And King Xerxes was a powerful man, and he's called the king of kings. He's the son of Darius, the king that ruled the forum. And, and this man, Xerxes, he ruled an empire that stretched all the way from Egypt in the east to India and Pakistan in the west. It is considered still, by population and size, the largest empire of all time. And we stumble across Xerxes in Esther chapter 1. And in Esther chapter 1, we come upon King Xerxes in the middle of a 180-day celebration. Now think about that. King Xerxes was putting on a party that lasted for 180 days. You have 30 days in a month, right? It's like a six-month celebration. Now, why would you celebrate as a king for six months? Well, King Xerxes, he is celebrating the defeat of a rebellion, probably, that he put down in Egypt. And this is a large, vast empire, okay? And, and some people like to rebel because they don't want to be held by this king who's living far off so he's got to go back and squelch a rebellion in Egypt and then he stomped on a rebellion in Babylon and to celebrate his victories in battle he invited all of Susa to come and see him and all of Persia he invited the whole mass empire to come celebrate and see the mighty Xerxes. And so he sent out and all these people showed up to come see the splendor of the palaces. And all that Xerxes had, they came from Egypt. They came from India. They came from parts of Iran and Iraq today. They came from all over the place to Babylon to celebrate for six months, the beauty and the wonder of Susa, the capital. But they were also there to celebrate Xerxes. But you know also why they were there? I mean, this is a six-month celebration, right? You know also why that they showed up? They were preparing for war. Because historically, what's going to happen is Xerxes... He needs to squelch some little-known empire in the far west named Greece. And he'd heard of some upstarts who are trying to flex their muscle and become their own little empire. Well, Xerxes, he had to go stomp that out. And so he's preparing for an invasion of Greece. So yes, I want you to come celebrate with me for 180 days. But everybody from around the world, they would also bring their best fighting men. 
And so he's basically putting an army together and celebrating over this next six months. He's putting together an elite fighting army that he can go and invade Greece. And here in chapter 1 in the book of Esther... We're right in the middle of the celebration. Actually, we're coming near the end. At the end of that 180 days, right? He's finally got his army set. He's finally impressed all the officials that came from all over these other countries. You know, he's finally got everything he wants, King Xerxes has. And then at the end of that 180 days... There was a seven-day celebration where only the best of the best could show up for that one. Only the highest Persian nobles were invited to the party. I mean, Esther 1 talks about the fine decoration. Esther 1, verse 6, it talks about the garden head. The garden had hangs of white and blue linen fastened with cords of white linen, purple material hung on silver rings and marble pillars, and there were couches of gold and silver, and on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. And then verse 7 talks about how wine was served in goblets of gold. I mean, this is an amazing party that lasted for seven days. And the amazing thing about this, it says in Esther chapter 1, that the people who were invited to the seven-day party, they were under no compulsion to eat or drink. Now, normally at the average 180-day celebration, right, when the king started eating, you started eating at this party. When the king started drinking, you started drinking. But when he stopped, you had to stop. When the king stopped drinking and eating, you had to stop drinking and eating. Well, not at this party. They could eat and drink as much as they wanted to. Again, they were under no compulsion. They could eat a little or they could eat a lot. Guess what? Do you think people at this party just decided to eat a little? Oh, I ate too much before, you know, and since I'm under no compulsion, I'm just going to eat a little bit, just eat a little salad. No. They ate... And they drank a lot. In fact, they probably drank way more than they ate. And these people began to drink and drink and drink. And they slowly started to all get drunk. And at the end of the seven-day celebration of Xerxes and all his friends are getting slowly drunk at the end of this huge seven-day drinking fast. It seems like a fight broke out between Xerxes and his friends as to who had the best-looking wife. According to Jewish tradition, that's what started this whole thing is Xerxes said, I, I have the most beautiful wife in the world, and her name is Queen v Vashti. And some of his friends were like, no, no, I've got the most beautiful wife. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and are you kidding me? No, I'm the king. Vashti is a total babe. And in fact, you know what? I think, and he starts again, he's totally drunk. 
I think, to prove my point, says Xerxes, that Vashti is the most beautiful woman ever, I want her brought before me. I want her brought here so all my friends can see how beautiful Queen Vashti is. And the other men were like, yeah, let's do that. Sounds like a great idea. Again, these people are drunk. So one of the king's officials runs off to find Queen Vashti. Because Queen Vashti was not at King Xerxes' party. Instead, Esther 1 verse 9 talks about how Queen Vashti was at a banquet for the women. Well, here comes the official and says, hey, Vashti. King Xerxes wants to see you. And you know what Queen Vashti said? Queen Vashti said, uh-uh. I'm not going in there. I'm not going to go to this party full of drunken men. You know, she probably asked him why. And the official said, well, we're trying to prove you're the most beautiful woman there. She's thinking, I'm not going to go into this drunken party and have all these leering, drunken men stare at me. You know, some people think she was just a wise woman who thought, this is not going to end well. Some people think she was pregnant with Xerxes' son, Artaxerxes. And so she didn't want to put the risk of that in the middle of these drunken men who are in the middle of an argument and a fight, you know? I don't know, but... Either way, Vashti says, no way. I am not going back to your banquet to be leered at. So the official looks at her and says, really? You're going to refuse King Xerxes? So the official runs back. He comes into this drunken party. They're all yelling, hey, this is great. And he, the official comes up to Xerxes and says, hey, King Xerxes. What? What is it? Hey, where, where's Vashti? Where is she? I want her here now. And the official says, she refused. What? She refused. And the Bible talks about how at that point, when he found out that Vashti refused to show up, that he became furious talks about in Esther chapter 1 that the king burned with anger. He was furious and stomped his feet and, you know, and he calls for all his officials, for his advisors, the high men of the court, these noble Persian, and he comes and he gathers them all around him and says, hey, Queen Vashti turned me down. What should I do, man, again? He's drunk. He's not thinking straight. What should I do, man? What, 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 what do you think I should do? And I can't imagine the nobles around him are any less drunk than he is, you know. Well, that's not right. I don't know. Off of their heads, somebody says, hey, let's just chop her up, you know. And, you know, seeing Xerxes, like, well, I don't know. She's might be pregnant with my son, and she is rather pretty. I don't know if I should do do that, you know. And then it says, one of the officials, one of the nobles named Mamukin, Mamukin, weird name, Mamukin. He steps forward and 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 shares, you know, how 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 you know, hey, you know, King King Xerxes, listen, 
We got a problem. This is bad. For Queen Vashti to refuse you, King, this is a bad, bad thing. You know why? Other noble women of Persia, if they hear that Queen Vashti refused you, then guess what, says Mamukin? They might begin to refuse their husbands. They might think that they don't have to obey every word of their husband. You know, they'll stop cooking for them. They'll stop making pancakes. They'll stop. They might even stop making waffles. I can imagine Xerxes like waffles. Not waffles. I love a good waffle. I know. Can you imagine if, if this gets out that Vashti refuses you? They're going to refuse waffles. I can't have that, says Xerxes. And Mamukin says, we can't have that either. So you know what you should do? You should write a law. An edict is what the Bible talks about. An edict is a fancy word for a law. You need to write a law saying that Vashti is no longer allowed to come into the king's presence anymore and that she will no longer be queen. So Xerxes is like, that's a good law we must protect. You know, women should obey their men no matter what, and we want waffles. So he signs this law, and then this law is sent throughout the kingdom by horse. You know, sort of back then you've heard of the Pony Express. Somebody would take off from the capital and ride to a city. Then they would hop out and read this huge edict, the new law that the queen was no longer the queen. And that women everywhere should obey their men. And then they'd hop back on. And, and then they'd ride off to another city. And again, they'd read that same law that the queen is no longer queen. And that women should obey their men. Esther chapter 1 verse 20 says that the king's edict or the king's law is proclaimed throughout all the vast realm that all the women will respect their husbands, and that also the queen is no longer queen. And so this law, this edict, is spread throughout his whole empire. Then we come to Esther chapter 2. Esther chapter 2. Now we're not certain the time frame between Esther chapter 1 and Esther chapter 2. It was probably two to four years. Remember, in that 180-day celebration, he had got his army together to go fight the Greeks. And so in this two- to four-year period between Esther chapter 1 and Esther chapter 2, they went off to fight the Greeks. Well, we meet him in Esther chapter 2, coming back from that war. And sadly, for Xerxes... The war against the Greeks hadn't gone so hot. You know, you talk about the famous Battle of Thermopylae. 300 men, Greek Spartan warriors who faced down and held off 10,000 plus Persians. This little 
band of men basically clogged up the small space that the Persians had to go through, and they held them off and held them off, and they rallied the Greeks to fight him. Eventually, the Persians won, and they sacked Athens and burnt the Acropolis. They burnt large portions of Athens. They had won some battles, but you know what? Overall, the Persians lost the war. They didn't do so hot against the Greeks. They lost a naval battle. Like I said, they were embarrassed at the Battle of Thermopylae. And so they had to come back and regroup. And here in Esther chapter 2, they're coming back. We see Xerxes coming back, and he was licking his wounds. Things hadn't gone so well. I can imagine he sees Susa, the beautiful capital, in the distance. And he's thinking, oh, I'm so looking forward to getting back to my palaces, getting back to all the great Persian food. And I am just looking forward and spending time with beautiful vat. Wait. Vashti's no longer my queen. Vashti's no longer my queen. I can imagine, you know, Xerxes is thinking, what was I thinking? Vashti's no longer my queen. Why did I get rid of her? Oh, man. I can imagine he regrets it. You know, I just want to say, just be upfront. You just need to avoid alcohol, you know, as a whole. You got to avoid alcohol because bad things happen when alcohol shows up. Now, the Bible especially says, do not be drunk. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk. Don't drink that strong drink. The Bible is clear. There are many dangers with being drunk. You lose your sense of where you're at. You lose control of where you're at. Many bad things happen. And here's Xerxes. He made a decision. And we're going to see throughout the book of Esther. The King Xerxes likes to party, and he makes rash, stupid decisions under the influence of alcohol. You know, throughout the book of Esther, he's depicted as an impulsive, dumb ruler at times, and partly because he just drank too much. Xerxes also not only drank and partied too much, he had some anger management issues. During this battle with the Greeks... He was trying to cross this one portion of water, and he built a bridge. Well, during the night, a storm came up and totally destroyed his bridge. And he was furious. The storm came out of nowhere. All his hard work is gone. And you know what he did in his rage of anger? He made men get whips and go and whip the ocean three hundred times and then they threw shackles in the water to basically hey i'm binding you water i'm spanking you water you naughty water i mean this is ridiculous you can't spank the water but again he's so enraged with anger and maybe alcohol at this point i don't know and many historians think xerxes made some crucial mistakes in this first war with the greeks and partly because of his rash anger management issues. 
Now, the Bible talks about how anger does not accomplish the righteousness of God. It talks about the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Well, it also talks about, the Bible does, fruits of the flesh. And one of the fruits of the flesh, when you're living in the flesh, not by the Spirit, is anger. And so you can imagine anger mixed with alcohol, mixed with partying. Man, Xerxes was like, what was I thinking? So he gathers his counselors and he gathers his advisors around. And in Esther chapter 2, he's basically asking them, hey, what should I do? I, I miss Vashti. I miss having a queen. What, what's the wise decision here? So his counselors say, you know what, king? You need to come up with another edict, another law. And you need to send it throughout all the land. And you need to ask all of the towns, all the cities, all the provinces to gather their most beautiful, young, and unmarried women. And they'll be entered in a contest to become the next queen of Persia. King Xerxes is like, yeah, I like this. And I get a pick with the person. Yep, yep, yep. We'll bring all these beautiful women. Hundreds of thousands of beautiful women. And you'll get a pick. And I'll get a pick. The next queen of Persia. Yes, yes, I like it. I like it. What should we call it? What should we call it? King Xerxes is like, I got it. Let's call it the uh, Persia's Got Beauty, Beauty Pageant. Yeah, that's what we'll call it. The Persia's, Persia's Got Beauty, Beauty Pageant. And um, hey, Xerxes, should we include beauty twice? You know, that seems quite a lot. No, no, I like it. I like it. I like it. In fact, let's get T-shirts that have the, the, the PGBBP right there on the front, and we'll sell that, and we'll sell hats. It'll be great. The PGBBP, Persia's Got Beauty, Beauty Pageant. All right, Xerxes, if that's what you want. And so these these riders hop back on their horses and they head back out and they come to the first city and they jump out and they go, all right, this city, listen, I want you to find your most beautiful women. By law, the king mighty, king of kings, King Xerxes is sending out a law, sending out a command that you are to gather your most beautiful women they need to be young, they need to be unmarried, and they need to be what? Beautiful. And we're going to gather them up, and they're going to be entered in to become the next queen of Persia. And so they heard this, and then they ran off to the next city. And they proclaimed it again. They ran off to the next city and proclaimed it again. And this is proclaimed throughout the whole kingdom of Persia. Now, the Persian kingdom was about 40 million people at the time. Now, if roughly half of those 40 million are women, right? That leaves us 20 million women. And let's say half of those women are young and unmarried. That's 10 million. Now, that's 10 million eligible women for this pageant, right? Now, Let's say half of those women are young and unmarried. So half of 10 million, that, that leaves us between 2 to 5 million women that would be considered beautiful, young, and unmarried. 
So two to five million women were possibly entered in this whole pageant, this whole contest to become the next queen of Persia. So what do you think the chances are that Esther will be the one winner out of two to five million women? Well, it seems by the time you get to Esther chapter 2, that eventually this historian named Josephus, he believes that Xerxes eventually somehow whittled that whole number down to 400 women. The 400 most beautiful women out of that 2 to 5 million, 400 women that were eventually brought to the capital of the Persian Empire at the time, which was Susa, to be entered in this contest to be the next queen. So Esther is now, she made it out of the 2 to 5 million, she's now one of those 400 women. But what are the chances that Esther will be the one woman picked to be queen out of those 400? But you know, get this. If Esther is not picked to be queen, you know what the rest of her days are going to be like? She'll spend the rest of her life in the king's harem which is basically the same as being put in a prison for the rest of your life. Now, it's a fancy prison. She gets to eat well. She gets to lounge around on nice furniture. But it's basically being put in a prison because you're a woman who's put in this harem and you're separated from your family. You can't ever see them again. You can never have kids of your own. Any kids that you might have are treated like slaves, like servants. And, and they're ripped from you. You can't raise them. You're just this, basically, this concubine in this harem. It's a horrible life. It's a bad life. Again, it's like being put in a woman's prison the rest of your life. So here is Esther. She's taken to the capital. And she is one of those lucky 400 women. But will she get chosen by the king? Or will she spend the rest of her days in a harem prison? Well, hey, come back next week and we'll find out. But I want to encourage anyone that's listening. The book of Esther may not mention God. But do you think it's just by chance? That Esther ended up as one of the 400? Do you think it's just by chance that she is here possibly to become the next queen of Persia? No, it's not. And we're going to see God mightily moving on behalf of the people of Israel, on behalf of his children. Through moving men's hearts. Again, God's never mentioned, but you see God all over this book. And I want to encourage you. If lately God seems silent to you, but if you know the Lord is your Savior, if you've asked Him to save you, if you've repented of your sins and said, you know what, I don't want to follow that sinful life anymore. I want to follow Jesus. And I'm going to put my loyalty and my faith and my trust, and I'm just going to follow Him. 
I'm going to let him influence my decisions. I'm going to read his word. I'm going to be a loyal follower of Jesus. Uh, you know, the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just ask him to save you, and he promises he will. And if you've done that, I just want to encourage you. God is working. He's working. It may seem silent to you, but it's not. God is working. God is working all things. Romans 8.28, for your good. Be encouraged. And come back next week to find out what happens to Esther. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you would like to listen to more of Baldhead Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.